Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Radio Rumi. It is a happy Sunday afternoon. It's sunny. I am sitting in my sitting room recording this episode, and I hope that you don't hear too many cars in the background because it is a busy afternoon. It is the first time that I am going to um, base this episode on a comment sent to me by a listener. A comment that I cherished and thought about for a while and in the end decided that the best approach to it would be to actually create a special program addressing that. Now the comment was something like this, that you are brave to speak of love in a world in which we live. Again, you are, that's me, brave to speak of love in the world in which we live. And I think it's a very legitimate comment. It's a very important thought. In fact, I've been thinking about it for a while. Well, he certainly has a point that we live in a stormy global world. Every few seconds, um, some say two seconds, some say ten seconds, but it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Every few seconds, a child dies of starvation in our world. Famines, tsunamis, epidemics, all kinds of issues threaten lives and particularly threaten the lives of those who do not have the means to protect and defend themselves. And there are things that are under our control. We may say that famines and and tsunamis are not so much under our control, but wars are, and yet we still go to war. Not only do we go to war, we um, spend an amazing amount of our resources to build destructive equipment. Um, We do have tragic school shootings, as we are reminded very frequently with the loss of our beloved young people. And we still find signs of hatred in our world we still find nooses and swastikas on some people's doorways. We should be way past that, but unfortunately, some people are still holding to these hates. We get Islamophobia, we get economic blockades, we get sanctions. Oh, I can go on, you know, and these, of course, always threaten children, old people, Cancer patients, those are the people who suffer, not not the ruling elite, not those who have their own means, their personal means of protecting themselves. They're okay. So, instead of just going on about these tragedies, these issues that we need to think about, let me just go back to the question, can we legitimately speak of love? in this world, to speak of mysticism, to speak of spiritual fulfillment. Can we speak of Rumi and his life-giving verses? Is this some kind of a hypocritical cover-up? You know, sometimes unconsciously, but um, a kind of protection, a kind of denial, turning blind eye on the world's suffering and tragedies. At best, 
we could call it that. We could call it a refusal to understand, a denial to acknowledge that we do live in this frightening and in some ways despicable world. Well, I guess you know my answer to the question. For I would have not put together these podcasts and spend my time and your time talking about all these issues, including love, which is really the core of Rumi's ideas, and my dedication to these um, presentations, I would have not spent this time doing the work that I do if I believed that what we are doing, you and I, talking and listening about these ideas, if we thought it was useless, if we thought it was a waste of time. So, let me see what I can get out of Rumi's own life and work that may address this important question. First, let me ask this. Did Rumi himself live in a peaceful and comfortable world? Well, the quick answer is no. Yes, he did have a respectable family, a family that was relatively well off, a family that other people respected. But the respect was mostly built on the learning and the educational background and the service of the family to the community. Also, there wasn't much peace around where he used to live. Remember that I told you that he and his family immigrated from the city of Balkh uh, westwards. Their journey took about two years and finally they settled in the city of Konya in central Anatolia. So obviously they went through some hardship to find a spot, a point in which they felt comfortable and peaceful to live. Also, the invasion by the nomads of Central Asia, the Mughals, came. It happened. Lots of places were destroyed. And lots of people were killed. And the community in which Rumi lived was by no means immune to these kinds of suffering. I think it is a direct result of a sense of homelessness, a sense of having been uprooted from his original home that resulted in Rumi talking about the reed flute that is separated from the reed bed and is forever seeking its own home or its original home. In other words, it would be fair to say that he knew about wars, though it did not directly inflict his family. He knew of refugees, people around him, included some who came to him and asked for him to write letters to the local rulers and governors and give them some support. He was aware of poverty, of crime, of goodness and badness, all. So it is important to say that not only was he aware of these things, he brought them into his conversation with the people. He never asked, and I want to emphasize this, he did not ask his followers to ignore reality. 
if anything, he constantly reminded them that there is a real world out there and it is reflected in you internally. And you need to look inside and look outside, both. In one instance, in an episode when he talks about Moses, or baby Moses, that arrives in the court of Pharaoh and grows up safe when Pharaoh is killing other babies. Of course, part of the purpose of the story is to show how the goodness in Moses, the light in Moses, was protected by God by sending him, ironically, to the center, to the home of Pharaoh and being protected by Pharaoh's family. But then, very quickly after that, he turns to the reader, which is something that he does all the time. He doesn't let you to sit on the margin, act as if you are an outsider and are just reading the story. He pulls you in. You have to be a part of the story in an active sense. So here he says, Anche dar fer'on bu dan dar to hast. Anche dar fer'on bu dan dar to hast. Lik aj dar hat What was in Pharaoh is in you too. However, your dragon is imprisoned inside the well, which is inside you. In other words, you push that back, you kind of deny the existence of it, and therefore are able to look at the pharaohs outside. Ey dariq in jumla ahwal to ast. Ey dariq in jumla ahwal to ast. To baran fir'aun barkhahish bast. Alas, this is all about you. This Moses and Pharaoh, this is all about you. But you like to attribute it to the Pharaoh instead of yourself. Why? Why? And the why of it is quite clear. Why? Because garzato guyand vahshat zayadat varzadigar on fasane ayadat. Because you can keep your distance from the outside Pharaoh. You can call it a legend, something imaginary. But if you know it's in you, you're going to be terrified. You're going to feel that you have to do something about it. And therefore, you prefer to act as if it was not inside you. In another place, he actually, um, in his sermons, when he's talking to the general public, it's a lay audience. They're not necessarily specialized in any particular sciences. He gives them a story. The same complicated aspect of individuals um, reality and personality is given to them as a story. That's a story of an elephant. Pili ra avardand bar sare chishme i ke aab khorad. Pil akse khod dar aab midid va miramid. So they brought this elephant to a pond to drink water. The elephant looked inside and saw itself and got scared and ran away and did not know that it is looking at itself. And then he says, this is exactly your story. There is jealousy and anger and vain pride and all kinds of problems in you. If you look at it, you'll be terrified. But when you look at others and you see it 
in others, you run away because yours is down there and you're not touching on it. And he takes it even one step further. And I think that that is where he becomes Rumi. He's not only talking about the Pharaoh inside you. He talks about Moses too. So in other words, you don't just have bad things in there like the dragon of, of Pharaoh. You also have a Moses inside. Musio Pharaoh and that has the toast. Moses and Pharaoh are both inside your existence. You have to find them there. You have to allow them to face each other and face you. And hopefully you are able to help your Moses overcome your Pharaoh. In other words, I would like to say that when Rumi talks about love, it's a very real, this-worldly and concrete love. It's only because of that that it ultimately becomes divine. If it were not rooted in reality, in concreteness, it would never find its way to the heavens. And again, um, the significance of this reality, the concreteness of this reality is acknowledged by him time and again. In another story that he tells us in his Masnavi, the Opus Magnum, the major work he did, he tells us the story of the sailor and the grammarian. There was this learned man who knew many languages and their grammars and was very, very proud of that. آن یکی نهوی به کشتی در نشست رو به کشتی بان نهادان خود پرست So this well-respected grammarian got on a boat for a journey and he addressed his sailor, the man who was taking care of the boat گفت هیچ از نهف خاندی گفت لا گفت باشد نیم عمرت در فنا so this grammarian looked around, there were people sitting there, and he wanted to um, let them know how important he was. So he turned around to the sailor and said, have you ever studied grammar? And the poor sailor said, no, I haven't. So the grammarian felt even a little more self-important and said, my dear, half your life has gone to waste. Nima omrat darfano. Half your Life has gone to waste. It's a pretty harsh thing to say to someone. But sometimes when we feel we are very important, it's easy to say harsh things to others. So the journey continued and soon a few um, dark clouds appeared on the horizon and a storm started brewing in the distance. The sea got uh, turbulent and everybody got a little worried. So the sailor turned around to the grammarian and said, do you know how to swim? And of course we know what the answer of the grammarian that Rumi put there in that boat was. And then the sailor said, well, my dear, I am very sorry because your entire life is about to go to waste. Now, we laugh at the story because it probably never happened and Rumi invented it or borrowed it from someone else who had invented it. And besides um, addressing the self-importance of this individual who saw it fit to give a 
grammar lesson or a lesson in learnedness to this individual. Besides all of that, Rumi wants to say, you can drown with all the grammar that you know, with all the love you have in your heart, with all the practice that you have had, if you do not know how to swim. In other words, love for him is not this melancholic exercise and hiding in the corner and suffering or even feeling selfless love for everyone else and not doing anything about it. Because love in his dictionary is action. Again, let me repeat that. I think this is very important. Love and doing, taking action, are equal or equivalent in Rumi's dictionary. Agar in all someone آشق نبودی نبودی سینه If the sky was not in love, we would not see the brilliance upon it, upon its face. اگر خوشید هم آشق نبودی نبودی در جمال او If the sun was not in love, in this perpetual journey, in it standing there and having the planets whirl around it, if the sun was not in love, it would not have any brightness. If the land and the mountains, the earth was not in love, these flowers, these plants, these trees would not grow in its soil. اگر دریا ز عشق آگه نبودی قراری داشتی آخر بجاوی If the sea was not aware of love, was not quickened by love, it would stay still in one place. And of course, we know that when water stays in one place, what happens? But the point I'm trying to make is this. Love is this life force. If it, it is this movement, at the core of life, at the core of existence, at its best when it is cultivated and when it is given room to grow, it turns into soaring, soaring up high, which is freedom from petty attachments. Har nafas avaz ishq mi resad az chaporast ma be falak mi ravim Every instant, the call of love comes from every corner. I am heading high up to the heavens. Who wants to come and watch? Again, this is not a flight into the world of fantasy. It's a kind of recovery of aspects of ourselves that are hidden from us aspects of ourselves that we are so busy with the outside that we totally forget about. خود ز فلک برترین و از ملک افزونترین زندو چرا نگذریم منزل ما کبریاست We are higher than the heavens. See, he's talking about us, about ordinary people. You are higher than the heavens. And more than angels. Why shouldn't we leave it all behind? Because our 
true home is in the divine glory. In other words, each of us is a Mary and is pregnant with Jesus. We do have our inner God. Now again, these are complicated concepts, difficult to explain, sometimes impossible to explain. So again, he tries to use the metaphor of flying, which I think I have used already. And if I haven't, I will be using in future programs. Love is flying high up in the sky and tearing a veil every instant. The first breath is forgetting about breathing. The first step is forgetting about steps. Why is he saying that? Why is it important to forget about breathing and taking the steps? Because sometimes we get so fascinated with the tools that we use to achieve a goal that we totally forget about the goal and stay totally caught up in the tool that was given us to find an answer. A very good example of that is us academics. We use theoretical thinking in order to find answers, but sometimes we are so fascinated by it. We're just totally caught in these theorization and never ever get to the answers that we want to get to. So he says, no matter how fast you fly, how many steps you take, forget about flying, forget about your steps. Look beyond looking, look beyond your ordinary home and then he turns to his own inner heart and says, okay, now speak to me. A morg, because he was flying, he says a bird, a morg in Persian is a bird. A morg, begu, zabon, morgan, mandonam, ramzato, shanitan. Oh, my bird, bird of my heart, speak to me in the language of the birds. I can listen, I can listen and understand you. And at this point, because he can listen to his heart, the heart answers. The heart answers and says what the story of flying was. He says, از خانه سون می پریدم تا خانه سون آفریدن. And this is an amazing verse. I don't know if I can translate it properly. I don't know if there is a way, but I'll do my best. And, and what it says is that I was flying away from my nest which was the nest of making me, the nest in which I was made. And my destination was building the nest in which creation takes place. In other words, I was flying from my humanity and through my humanity and with my humanity in the direction of godliness, in the direction of creation. This is far from passivity. This is far from saying, you know, I just have a clean heart. I have a, I'm a nice person. I love everyone. I'm done. No. And then he explains further. The heart actually explains it further. And, and it says, I, yes, I did get tired. Yes, I did. It was hard. 
When I had no legs to walk on anymore, when I was so tired that I was totally without any energy, they pulled me. Something pulled me. And then he says, How can I even explain what kind of pull this was? In other words, it isn't all entirely only up to us. We do have these sources of life, these sources of energy that help us to go towards becoming and even becoming a creator itself, which is a topic that I very recently talked about. That pull, that force pulls forward. And it is the force of love. And it isn't so hard to understand that. If you're thinking even about your everyday life, what you dearly love gives you tons of energy to work on. What you dearly love gives you the courage to put yourself in situations that you would have otherwise never dared to put yourself in. Again, Rumi gives us another story, um, or rather a metaphor, which explains this. And he says, well, you're, when you're a small baby, all you can be concerned with is food and drinking your food and being taken care of. Then you grow older and your thoughts come and um, perceptions come, imagination grows, and then King Love arrives, takes a look at this place and says, this is far too small for me. He tears it apart and builds a palace, a palace worthy of a king, King Love. In our own way, therefore, when we feel the presence of love, and this love could be embracing many, many different things, we would want to build the palace for it. When we think about the hungry world, we could become a source of nourishment for it, to the extent that we can. Nobody would claim that a single individual can face the formidable global issues that we are all dealing with. But Rumi never forgets to tell lovers that you are the source of life and nourishment for the community around you, for the world around you. Eish ha ta nush ba da har zaman ay aashqan Eish ha ta nush ba da har zaman All the fun that you have, all oh lovers, all the pleasures you get may be sweet to you. And from your presence may the world be a place filled with sweetness. Torfe daryao in muallaq aumadin daryao ye ishq. Nei be ziro, nei be baulao, nei miyan ay aashqan. You do see that the sea is upside down sea of a world that we are in it. And love is also in it. It's so hard to navigate. You don't even understand it. There is no beginning or end or up or down. So, people might ask you, 
Who are you then? How are you going to define yourself? گر کسی پرسد کیانید ای سراندازان شما گر کسی پرسد کیانید ای سراندازان شما هین بگویدش که جان 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 ای آشان And so if anybody said Who are you? You guys who, who are giving yourself for love Who are you? How do you define yourself? Tell them that you are the soul of the soul of the soul of the world the innermost treasure of life so let me end on this beautiful note and read you the persian one more time ishatan nush bada har zaman ay ashqan bas shoma kan shakar bad in jahan ay ashqan turf darya in muallaq amadin darya ye ishq nay be zir aw nay be bala nay miyan گر کسی پرسد کیانید ای سراندازان شما گر کسی پرسد کیانید ای سراندازان شما هین بگویدش که جان 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 ای آشبان Till next time